In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Peter, and me. The focus for this evening is on Simon Peter's misunderstanding. This evening's gospel lesson vividly describes the sword-slashing scene as Judas leads the soldiers to arrest Jesus. And so our focus will be upon the gospel lesson, but also I have chosen another text that I would like to bring into play this evening. It's actually taken from last Sunday's Sunday morning study of Galatians. And as Pastor Paul Zine was leading us through that discussion in the early verses of the Galatians, it occurred to me what a, con what a tremendous interaction that we have between the verses from Galatians and also tonight's gospel lesson. And so our second text is this one from Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. I invite you to join with me in reading it. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will, the plan of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> people of God, people of faith, uh, World Wide Web is a fascinating uh, system that allows people to be connected from all over the world uh, and a multitude of peoples to, uh, tied together. But what fascinates me even more is what we might call God's eternal web, the GEW. It's God's eternal web that connects his love, his compassion, and his work of salvation for you, for me, for all peoples of all of eternities, and the way that he interweaves all of these particular threads completely throughout the scriptures over and over again, and even through the history of God's people. Now, an example is in these words from uh, Paul's letter to the Galatians. As I read these words, or as Pastor Paul Zeme was leading us in a discussion Sunday morning, suddenly it occurred to me, man, what a, what a, a similarities and what touch points that we have to tonight's gospel. And so, uh, so I'd like for us to look at these words, especially some phrases here, just real quickly. There's some key phrases into that opening benediction that St. Paul gives, that God the Holy Spirit has St. Paul give in Galatians. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, all according to the will, the plan of God our Heavenly Father. All according to the will and the plan of God our Heavenly Father. Now it intrigues me that God the Holy Spirit has St. Paul include these words at the very beginning of his letter. Because as we read through the rest of the letter, it is very, very, very clear that the people of Galatia were, had some terrible misunderstandings. They had some terrible misunderstandings. They misunderstood God's plan. They misunderstood God's goal. They got misunderstood God's method. And this letter of Galatians, uh, Pastor, about what year? Uh, early 50s? Early 50s. Early 50s. Death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus, 33 AD. Let's take it that way. So, less than, uh, just less than 30 years from this particular point of Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, 
you have these terrible misunderstandings that have already taken place within the church. And so, as a gospel lesson, and these words to the Galatians and to us clearly help us to understand the very, several very important truths. First of all, there is a plan. Secondly, it's God's plan, not my plan. Thirdly, it is a plan about rescuing us from the evil age. The fourth thing about this plan is, it is a plan that is accomplished only through Jesus' total gift of himself. And another thing that we quickly understand from both the uh, gospel lesson and from this uh, introduction of Galatians is that we misunderstand. There's so many things that we misunderstand. And so the focus tonight is upon clarity of understanding. In the 1970s, there was a Roman Catholic nun by the name of Sister Corita Kent. And uh, she became a very popular artist. Uh, her art farm basically was uh, developing posters. And she would uh, come up with a particular saying, tweak the saying a little bit, put it on a poster, and then make the posters very, very colorful. I don't know if any of you ever remember seeing Sister Corita's, you're not that old. So anyhow, but Sister Corita, uh, had these particular posters. Now the church bought them up like crazy, you know, posted them all over the place. But what was really unusual back in the 70s, you could walk into many places like a bank lobby and there you'd find one of Sister Corita's posters. Or to some other business and you'd have this particular, have a, a poster of hers because they were so colorful and because they had particular uh, kernels of truth. Now, one of the ones that I really like <clears throat> is one that I actually tweaked a little bit because I wanted it to get to say what I wanted to say, okay? <laughs> so how I, okay. But here's, here's one of her more favorite, uh, famous uh, posters. To understand is to stand under, which is a very good place to stand. Do you understand? <laughs> to understand is to stand under, which is a very good place to understand. Now, if that is a good definition of understanding, we can also conclude that misunderstanding can be defined as standing in the wrong place. Standing in the wrong place. Now, we certainly see that in tonight's gospel lesson, the example of Simon Peter. It was a garden of Gethsemane. Uh, for several hours while the disciples snoozed, Jesus was praying with overwhelming intensity. And during those particular prayers, Jesus was making sure that he was placing himself under the will and the plan of his heavenly Father. He was using that time to make sure that he, the plan of the Father, and his understanding of what needs to be done, and that Jesus' understanding of what needs to be done were locked together, that they were in harmony and peace. And it was because he had that particular understanding then uh, of what the Father wanted, that allowed Jesus to get up from that place and endure the horrible 24 hours that were ahead of him. As Jesus arose from that place of prayer, 
He demonstrated his complete understanding. And we might have capsulized his understanding in this way. He said, Father, our people need to be rescued. Our people need to be rescued. I know your plan. I trust you. I trust your plan. And I will follow your plan. And so when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus, Jesus stepped out boldly and went directly to them. He didn't run away. He didn't try to hide. He went boldly to them. And it was such a, an interesting picture that John gives us. <clears throat> Here the soldiers come out to get in the face of Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Jesus runs right into their face. And it takes them by total shock and surprise. So much so that they begin to back up. And they wind up tripping all over each other. And so here you have this army or soldier, group of soldiers who has come out to arrest Jesus and in humiliation they're laying all over the ground. So finally they get up and as they're getting up all of a sudden Simon Peter, we don't have any idea what he's thinking or if he even is thinking, Simon Peter decides to take things into his own hands. And basically he's saying, uh, step aside Jesus, I've got this, I've got a plan and I'm going to rush right ahead. And so he begins slashing wildly into the crowd. You see, Simon Peter thought that it was his job to save Jesus. What he didn't realize, it was just the opposite. It was Jesus' job to save Simon Peter. And so it's almost... Like Jesus said to tap him on the shoulder. He said, Simon Peter, you're standing in the wrong place. You're not supposed to be out here in front of me leading the charge. You're supposed to be back here behind me, allowing me to be in charge. You're standing in the wrong place. Jesus had to stop him. You misunderstand. You got the wrong plan the wrong methods, it's going to accomplish the wrong results, all because you're standing in the wrong place. Simon Peter misunderstood, but thankfully Jesus perfectly understood what needed to be done. And so after forcing Simon to re re withdraw, then Jesus advances the first thing that John tells us that he does, he heals Malchus's ear. And then he hands himself over to the soldiers. And he said, I'm the one that you're looking for. Let my disciples go. And another amazing thing that happens in this scene, the enemies do as Jesus tells them to do. The enemies obey Jesus and let his disciples go. Jesus rescued his disciples from being arrested that night, but he was on a far greater mission of rescue. He was being sent by the Father to seek and to save the lost, and that is exactly what he was going to accomplish, even when it cost him his life. Misunderstandings often come from standing in the wrong place. We continue to find that happening in our lives today. Because there are so many times when we approach faith and our relationship with Christ, but we approach it in such a way that we're standing in the wrong place. 
And so we can approach it in this way. I would say, okay, Jesus, here's the deal. I'll worship you. I will even read the Bible on occasion. I'll pray. I'll give money. I will uh, bring my children to Sunday school. I'll even try to lead a decent life. That's my part of the bargain. But your part of the bargain is that you need to provide me with the blessings that are going to make my life here comfortable. How about it, Jesus? Deal or no deal? But you see, we're standing in the wrong place. Because when we come and approach Jesus in that way, we're standing over Jesus. We are making ourselves God. We're telling Jesus, this is what you need to do. We set the conditions. We set the conditions. Making ourselves God. It's the wrong place to stand. Another time that we find ourselves standing in the wrong place is when we come to the old rugged cross. And we come to the old rugged cross and we see Jesus, what a sacrifice that you have made for us. And I understand now that because of that sacrifice, you have completely forgiven me of all my sins. And you have not only died on the cross, but you rose again from the dead, assuring me that I have eternal life in your presence. And so you know what that means, Jesus? You've given me a get out of jail free card. I can go on and live any way that I want. All I got to do, show you this card and you have to forgive me my sins. And not only have you given me, a, you've also given me a pass go card. That means that when it comes time for me to finish this life, and I know you go to heaven, I know that you're going to do it. So Jesus, here's the deal. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it. I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it. But I can always flash the get out of jail card free. I can always show this. And I can run to you in times of desperation and expect you to follow through. How's that? for a deal, Jesus. Standing in the wrong place. In this particular time, we are standing with our backs toward Jesus and we are walking away from him. We are living our lives apart from him. And so we could say, <clears throat> what about it, Jesus? Deal or no deal? And Jesus says, no. what did Jesus say? No. No, deal. no deal. No deal. And why does Jesus say that? Jesus says that because he says, I am not giving my life completely for you so that you can have a hundred dollar prize. I am giving my life completely for you so that you can have the million dollar prize, the top prize eternal life in my presence. And so, as we come before, we have to understand that it's important to know where to stand 
if we're going to have a proper understanding of the gospel. It was about 2006 when Jane and I first came to worship here at Christ our King. And I can remember uh, walking through those doors in the sanctuary when the first things caught my eye was a cross. And I said, wow, that's what you call a cross. That's what you call a cross. And I looked at that cross and I said, that cross shows without a doubt what this building is all about. And it shows without a doubt what everybody is gathering here for, why they're gathering here. They're gathering here because of that cross. Now, as I was writing this particular sermon, it also dawned on me in all the years that I've worshiped here, I have never once asked anybody, how did you come up with that design? Who came up with the idea of setting up that size cross there on that wall? And I'm interested to find that out. And hopefully sometime, somebody who was a part of the building project that time can explain that to me. But this is the thing I want to get at. This cross promotes understanding. It promotes understanding because it forces us to stand in the right place. Because of the size and location of this cross, it's hard for us to get above the cross. And even though we can turn our backs on the cross, the cross is large enough that it's uh, hard to ignore. It's hard to ignore. And the size and, uh, of the cross gives us a far greater picture of God's purpose and his intention for us. His plan, his method, his achieving the plan is all about that cross. Remember the words of St. Paul to the Galatians? Let's read them again. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will, the plan of God our Father. Say, we are the ones who need to be rescued. We are the ones who need to be rescued. We are the ones who need blessings, not only for this particular life, but all the blessings that God can give us for all eternity. We are the ones who need forgiveness of sins, assurance of victory over death. But these are ours to use every day, not just in times of desperation of a get-out-of-jail-free card that we can flash in the face of Jesus. So where do we need to stand in order to have understanding? What did Sister Carita advise us? To understand is to stand under, which is a very good place to stand. And it's when we stand under the cross that we begin to have the understanding that God wants us to have. It's when we stand under the cross that we can then better understand the triune God saying to us, this is my intention. This is my purpose for you. I want to rescue you from the evil of this present age. I don't want you to live forever in this broken world, trapped with all of its sin. I don't want that for you. 
I want to rescue you from Satan's grip. I want to rescue you from the fear of death. I want to rescue you from yourself. And in order to bring about that rescue, I devised a plan that is far beyond your comprehension, far beyond your understanding. It's a plan that involved a total, complete sacrifice on my part because you could never, ever, by your abilities, accomplish it on your own. And so here's the deal, my people. This is what Jesus got to say. Here's the deal, my people. I have given myself completely for you so that you can be completely filled with confidence of my love and, and my uh, rescue for you. I have given myself completely for you so that you can be filled with the joy of knowing beyond a doubt that I have prepared blessings for you all through this life and for all eternity as well. That's the deal, my people. That's the deal. Oh, Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, keep us standing in the right place, standing beneath your cross so that we can have real understanding, understanding of you, your faithfulness, your love, your life, all for us. Amen.